You're listening to the Fox and the Phoenix podcast. Understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of FoxandHanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hi, Savannah. Hey, Julie. Happy birthday to <gasps> you. Happy Stop. birthday to you. I oh, will not. Happy birthday, my amazing co-host. <sighs> Happy birthday to you. Bad, baddy boy. Jazz hands. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes. I mean, I don't think we've done an episode that's come out on one of our birthdays. So that's pretty amazing. I mean, if our listeners can he- can see, which they can't, maybe they can hear how <laughs> stretched out my smile is, my permagrin. Yes. You're yes. very, got the teeth all up in there. This is 43, people. This is 43. And I'm saying the number, A, because I'm proud, but B, this may be that age where, like, I forget how old I am. <laughs> like, I can go back. I swear, there were there were times in my, in my 30s where it was just, like, lost. Like, after 37, I have no idea. But, like, yeah, I'm 43, and so... You know, if ever I forget, there's this episode. So. That's right. You always, you always can come back. You know, I actually forgot I was 41 but I was actually 40. So I actually went back in time by my birthday. So that was good. I gained a year um, as opposed to losing one. So I was just like, what the hell? How did I forget my actual age? <laughs> this is very strange. It wasn't like I was trying to like say, I'm 29 indefinitely. I wasn't doing anything like that. It was just, right. I just kind of forgot. And I apparently don't know math. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Birthdays are funny because as you grow up, you, you, People can have mixed feelings around them. And today I'm actually feeling very, very good. Mm-hmm. I'm 43. It feels like I'm home, mainly because I think I said I was 43 like a couple of times this year when people asked. And I think I asked Kate, like, we're 42, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I've been semi prepared. Okay. But I just feel like things are integrating. Nice, nice. Because now it's the truth. Yeah, now it's official. Oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, with one holiday, which we'll call your birthday a holiday, we have a whole plethora of holidays that have come and are upcoming as we kind of slide into the last few months of the year. Last week, we had Halloween and we did the Monday episode to celebrate that. And hopefully last year we had Halloween last week. Oh, sorry. I thought you said last year. Sorry, it's my 43 year old brain. Mm, her, hearing's, her hearing's going already. Um, yeah, last week when and I'll have when I when I edit it back, I'll be like, oh shit, I did say year. So we'll see how that turned out. <laughs> but yeah, last week we dropped on Monday the Halloween episode on the 31st. So here we are. One week later, back to our Wednesday schedule and just coinciding with your birthday. But as I was saying, we have holidays coming up. We have holidays that are in process or recently passed. And the thing that always comes to my mind, and maybe not as much for me because Judy and I are away from family, we're in different states, but you know, it always brings to mind all the people out there in our 
audience who are dealing with the holidays and dealing with family and dealing with who they are as a person, whether they're out or not out, accepted, not accepted. I figured this would be a good time to revisit it a little bit. Yes, I agree. Being Jewish, there has been so far Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And for all of those of you who don't know much about those holidays, Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year and Yom Kippur is, it's called the Day of Atonement. And both holidays are huge thinking holidays. They're a time Mm -hmm. to reflect, they're a time to set intentions, but they're very much a time to look at the painful notes and figure out how to let those go so you can kind of step into this new year, quote, quote, with a new sense of self, with a a giant heart and just the intention for good and forgiveness, forgiving yourself, forgiving each other. For me, when thinking about, you know, today being my birthday, and as we process this episode, thinking about all the holidays, it's another time for thought and process and you know, grab a journal and up your bed because because I know for, I know for lots of us, the holidays aren't this hallmark events. They come with grief. They come with an awareness of estrangement and hiding and that void one feels when there isn't this acceptance happening. There just isn't. You know, there's all the commercials, the Christmas commercials and the holiday joy that's around, you know, just this glorified version. And it could make individuals feel really alone. Yeah. And previous addictions, current addictions can very much come to the forefront of tools we must use to survive the holidays. And so as we set forth on this beautiful episode... I think it's important that we all have this awareness. It's hard. Mm -hmm. The holidays are really hard for many people. And slapping on a happy face and shaming yourself for not feeling as you, quote, should, can be really dangerous for one's psyche and one's mission to love themselves just a little bit more. Oh, my God, yes. I mean, we hear the statistics all the time about end of the year. It could be the winter blues. It could be the holidays. Like you said, this is a time where melancholy sets in for many of us, the anticipation of angst around family visits or going to visit family, or if you had come out to somebody and you, let's say you're married and you'd come out to your family and they don't want you there. They don't want you to visit because they don't approve of you. So now all of a sudden you're either you're at home alone with your partner, just having your own thing. I'm sure your partner doesn't want to go visit without you. All these things, all these fears, all this judgment, all these triggers, it's triggering to even think about the thing that's upcoming and like, oh my God, what am I going to do in three weeks from now when it's Thanksgiving and uh, oh my God, we have people coming to visit. Now I have to hide all my stuff because they don't know about my femme side and which clause I'm going to put in because now they're going to be in the guest room and now all of my stuff's going to get out of there. Like this panic, where's the joy? Like you said, where's the joy and the gratitude and the appreciation when you're being reminded that who we are is not good based on how others perceive us? Right. As you're talking, I'm reflecting back on these two and a half, three years where COVID has made it 
and COVID's still out there. COVID is still continuously changing the way we live and the way we love in terms of distance and stuff like that. But I think for many people, the fact that this year we can't see so-and-so, we can't travel to so-and-so, there was some bit of respite or not some bit of sorrow then yeah. some bit of normalcy that had to be. And so what is it like now where COVID, regardless of travel restrictions, has settled into the toddler years, if you will, mm. where people are just living with it. Yeah. It's not like the shelter in place. It's different. It's real. And the people who you haven't seen and maybe two years, you're able to see. And what does that mean? You're able to pull past the virtual reality of Zoom and see the people face to face. It's very different and it can be very daunting. And I think if anyone has experienced major changes during this time of distance, HRT, coming out, Mm. being seen in a way that is exclusively meant for a small amount of people. And now you're kind of opening up and seeing more people. And what does that mean for your own self-preservation? What does that mean for your protection? Does it mean that you have saved some male mode clothes, saved some female clothes for now that you have to dress not as you are, but as they know you to be? Or believe or you, you have to be. To have yeah. this big coming out where it's loud and it's obvious and there's a, <gasps> and there's a, it's a thing. And it's awkward. (laughs) And it's awkward. And I think it would be really useful and kind if you and I opened up a layer of protection for people when it comes to being prepared and when it comes to loving yourself and upping that self-care, because that is what the holidays is about when it comes to survival, is Mm -hmm. upping that self-care and what it means for you so you can survive. It may be necessary for you to go to a family's house, a mother that hasn't seen you or hasn't been aware, or you've been able to protect her from certain truths about you. And now stepping into that, what are you going to do? What are you going to bring with you? What are you going to do before and after and during to kind of protect yourself? And so maybe if there's top five or top seven or, (laughs) or something that we can provide them. So our listeners, our beautiful listeners are able to feel like we got their back during the holidays. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I, I did do some looking into how to survive a toxic family, which I kind of equated to people who are intolerant. Um, how do you survive the holidays in general? Because even in the best of days, in the best of times, it's not something that's typically easy. There's typically old wounds. There's typically unresolved shit going on. And somehow, some way, this Norman Rockwellian belief that we're all going to sit around the Thanksgiving table, like the super long table, we're all just joyous and, and dad's up front carving the turkey and, you know, and all these things that are supposed to happen, that, that everything's been put aside. Everything has been handled and taken care of and solved. And we know that's not true. We've walked across these thresholds into these homes with our sweet potato casseroles and our desserts and somehow believe that the offering that we take into the home with us, aside from just ourselves, is enough right. to to quell any and all problems that had transpired previously. Again, that is not a cross-dressing thing. That is not a 
dual gender thing or a queer thing that is just an everybody thing from top to bottom, left to right. We all deal with these same angst when it comes to visiting family based on obligation. Like, and you've said it before, and you and I kind of share the same mentality is that we choose our family. I'm away from my family. I'd have to do traveling to get to see my family these days, but we choose who we want to be with. When I first moved to San Francisco, the Friendsgiving. Yes. Like an orphan Annie Friendsgiving, which I thought was hilarious because all the transplants, you know, all the people that left the nest as they should, might have had, but were far enough from their family that they didn't want to, couldn't travel back. Just it was just this hippie motley crew of gay boys and me. And it was just like <laughs> a very nice new concept for me of this is the family of choice, or mm-hmm. this is the family we find. And I think that for most, it's safe to say most of queer culture is rooted under those beliefs that regardless of if you have the most supported family in the world, you must still, as every you know, young adult, teenager should, separate from that, fly away from the nest. And then especially if you are a queer individual, who are the people that authentically breathe the same air as you mm-hmm. or authentically shine their Care Bear stare on you? Who are the people that you can break bread with in a queer and loving space. I think that if you grow up in a family that isn't queer, no matter how much your mother tries to see you or join PFLAG or whatever it is, and has the best mom or the best dad or the best cousin, you know, at the table, there's something to be said about stepping in as a, an adult and being like, you know what? I didn't get to choose my family, but now I get to choose. I get to go out there and gather other orphans, Mm, you know, of the same spirit and just feel what it's like finally to not try to love me the best that they can try, get it wrong, but try their best. No, it already exists in this space. And I think that's really, really important, especially for those of you who have to the divorce, a part of yourself, you kind of have to split the holidays, perhaps. These are my roots, you know, this is what I have to put up with, but then your spirit is held close in close proximity with that chosen family. It is yeah. so important. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and I'm not discounting so many of us may be fortunate enough to have loving, accepting families who celebrate who we are. And it's just another glorious get together. I'm sure we have, we have many listeners who's like, oh my God, you know, we host everybody and I love me as my femme self and, you know, or we don't even talk about it because it's not even a thing. We just live in love and celebrate and eat. And as everybody knows, my family does not know other than my sister and my one cousin. I will not be going to travel to see my sister or my one cousin on these holidays. And that's just kind of been the norm for years and years and years. So for me, I choose to celebrate with Judy. I choose to celebrate with the people around us. So yeah, we we made that choice. And it seems like in a lot of ways, you early on in your adventures in life did the same. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I did. Yes. Early in life in my adventures, I absolutely did. Currently, I have not been back to Boston, New England area in over five years. My father passed away. My mother and I have been estranged. My brother and I don't talk. 
So it's very much this thing where Scott grew up in a close family, so he doesn't necessarily understand, Mm -hmm. which we both realize he doesn't have to understand. He just has to love me through it. And his family that I choose to share Thanksgiving with, I feel like, do we share the same moral compass? Absolutely not. Do we share the same (laughs) spirit? Absolutely not. Do they understand the work that I do? No, but I do think that they're trying the best they can based on their limited understanding. But it's definitely one of those things where, like many, I enter a house and have to do my best to remain in my body because every part of me wants to take that edible, wants to, you know, know, push past the, and I really hope people are listening. I don't know if it was Patty from like Millionaire Matchmaker, but she used to say, ladies, two drink minimum, simply because beyond two drinks, and I know tolerance is different and all that, but like beyond two drinks, it gets in this territory of you removing yourself from your body, Mm. you not being in charge of maybe your speech, your, right. you know, not listening to that moral code that says, maybe I won't discuss this with my father-in-law because I, do, <laughs> no matter what, it ain't gonna change. he will not understand. Yeah. It's a lot. It's, it a, is. it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to survive. And I think that the only medicine that we can truly give ourselves is self-care mm-hmm. and figuring out what does that mean yeah does it mean coming up with a reason to have to pick something up right when you get there because you totally forgot does it mean creating a room in the house where quite frequently this is a strategy for me i create a room in the house where i can go to often and when i go in there i ground my mother-in-law, she turned my my brother-in-law's room into a very chic closet for herself with like a mirror and all her like creams and makeups and stuff like that and the swivel chair. And for me, like that's kind of my home base. That's where I go every time things feel a little too much to handle. And I'll go there often. And frequently my husband texts me and be like, where are you? And I'll be like, oh, yep, was playing a little bit too long in there. Mm. Enough to be noticed your absence. Right. Yes, yes. Got to be stealth, girl. Got to be stealth to get out and stealth to be like, oh, just enough time. So they didn't even know I was gone. Exactly. (laughs) What are your strategies, listeners? What are your ways? Do you need to bring a crystal or a touchstone or a picture of your film self that you have on your phone that whenever things get a little too lost in terms of feeling like a phony, mm-hmm. like you're playing someone on TV that you can go to the bathroom and look at your femme self, go to your Instagram and really feel like you can return to yourself in some way. Yeah. Underdress yeah. for the first time if you don't. Oh, yeah. What yeah. are the things? What are the as long as they're stretchy, uh, make sure it's stretchy underdressing because you will be eating food. Oh, Just yeah. FYI. Don't wear a corset. Um, but yeah, let's get into <laughs> let's get into some ways about how to deal with a toxic family at the holidays. Now, this can include both your want and need for validation because maybe you have shared who you are with them and they are a little less than accepting and maybe barely tolerant, or it could be the fact that you haven't told them and feel like every one of these gatherings is kind of a reminder of the fact that I quote unquote, I can't be myself because I'm with family and they don't know. So therefore I have to put on this show. I'd love to be Savannah today, but I can't because nobody knows and I don't want to risk coming out. 
uh, things of that nature. So ways to deal with the toxic family at the holidays. Number one, be prepared. Have the touchstone, bring that grounding energy or that grounding element or that artifact or whatever it is, underdressing that room away, that little secret uh, powder room, or maybe you go outside and have a smoke. If you're a smoker, go out to the back porch or take a walk down to the corner and back. Because as we know, we give energy, right? We give of ourselves energetically as if it's a battery. So if you deplete that battery, you're no good to anybody. No so good. if you so if you have to survive a six hour, like let's say you drove two hours to get to some place, mm-hmm. you're going to spend six hours there and you got a two hour ride home. And by the time you get there, three hours in, you're like, I am at 5% and my phone is telling me it's going to go dark and turn off. And that's how I feel right. in my body. We all need to be able to find a way to charge up our batteries just that little bit to get through. So I think we spoke about that and it's true. And again, this is true for everybody. If you give all of yourself and you leave nothing left for you in your own self-care, your, your mood's going to change. You're going to go dark, both mentally and in your heart, your body's going to shut down a bit. It's like you need to be able to have your own self-care and be able to recharge in that way of just being by yourself or just kind of having your alone time. And it should be expected and okay, because everybody should be able to do that. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think we covered yeah, it pretty well. I had two thoughts. One is aromatherapy can be really, really powerful. If there's a certain smell, there's like a pine needle scent that automatically is very grounding for people mm-hmm. or some smell that really connects you with your feminine self, or they often have these roll on oils can just go on Etsy, look it up or different smells that always makes you feel like home or a scented candle that can definitely help bring you back. And another thing I thought is right before you lose it, like you feel like I need to leave. This is insane. Bring a Jolly Rancher, bring like a sucker. Like I just had this visual of pop in that Werther's Originals or whatever it is. And as soon as you do that, know that when the sucker is done, you basically get to give yourself a break. So not only is it a sensory, I'm really big into senses when it comes to survival mode. When it comes to sensory play, just figuring out, you know, what is that hard candy? What is that sucker that you can have that will feel soothing and lovely? A chocolate Hershey's kiss. Approach this kind of like you're treating your inner child with just like a treat and getting them to stay and reminding your inner child that you're going to be okay. That's actually amazing because I didn't think about it in that way. You give yourself a reward for dealing with (laughs) the family. (laughs) Right. And if it's a mother-in-law, if it's a sister, if it's a cousin, whatever it is, that's going to give you that little bit of treat. I listened to a podcast where they're big into after you achieve a small goal, giving yourself a little star sticker, mm-hmm. and putting it wherever, but just there's something therapeutic and soothing and lovely and non-alcoholic or drug related that will give you that same boost. You're like, I deserve this for dealing with you. Mom. <laughs> right. Like, I remember I had a friend whose mother always had this glass jar of like hard candies. Mm-hmm. She had that kind of staple. And now and later, whatever it is that can give you that sense of ecstasy and it acts as a sand timer. So not only when the treat is over, you don't have to be like, shit, well, that was nice. You know, I was I was viewing everyone with loving like now and later vibes or like, you know, whatever candy I love and now it's over. No, when it's <laughs> over, you get to relieve yourself and go to the bathroom. 
Yeah. You get to so you get two rewards outside for a second, right? Yeah. So you get two rewards. You get a little oral fixation, and then you get a little breather. I love it. And yeah. speaking of the joys of a now and later, the one thing that is not guaranteed is the number two way to survive nice. toxicity is ex- thank you is to accept that the holiday happiness isn't a given. So that goes back to that Norman Rockwellian, like we think the holidays are pure joy. It's almost like we've been conditioned to believe everything's going to be amazing upon the day. But you think about it. We spend so much time preparing food, buying presents, preparing, preparing, preparing to just show up. So you're exhausted even before you get there because you've already spent a month preparing or cooking or buying or wrapping or driving and then you finally show up on somebody's doorstep right? or they show up on yours. So yeah, it's not guaranteed. There's no magic. Although the holidays are magic, no. there's no guarantee that it's going to be magic for you. I'm so like a screwed up. I was going to say, blow it up your asshole. <laughs> no, but I was like, wait me up when they're over. Like, I'm just like a bah Sorry, you're not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but it's real. Because that's the thing about the Norman Rockwell painting. It's a painting that's meant to make you feel like if you're doing anything less, which already, it doesn't feel realistic at all. But mm-hmm. anything that's less than that painting, like already you're meant to feel like you are wrong and bad and it's shameful. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, it triggers me. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I mean, it is a trigger. I mean, I usually go into most situations with a very positive energy. I try to stick around positive energy, like where I go. I'm not going to get embroiled in a conversation uh, between Uncle Joe and Aunt Sally about politics or whatever fantasy football things going on. I mean, I may sit on the peripheral, but sure, I'm not going to engage with those things because it's just going to get toxic even more quickly, especially if it's not your wheelhouse or something you're interested in. So yeah, so understand that the holiday happiness is not a given. And that actually goes right into my third note, which is stick to your routine. So again, if you never talk politics in general, or you hate football in general, don't get embroiled or sucked into a conversation or into some sort of drama that's really not what you get into because it's so quick and going to turn bad for you and sour for you. Maintain your normalcy. Don't try to go outside your wheelhouse. You can be a silent observer in many ways, but you don't have to have an opinion necessarily. You don't have to defend yourself just because people are there. You know, Just sit back. Right. Let me preface my statement with saying, I believe in manifestation. I believe in changing it up a little and all that. And that every moment is a new moment. Kumbaya. But before headed to the holidays, I think that it's kind of fun. The idea of grabbing a journal and being proactive in terms of what you, I don't know if the word is like what you know for sure. Cause someone who typically does X could come and do it more mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But I think just writing down rather than having, oh, I know what's going to happen. You know, Sheila is going to get on some Trump bender and then Steve <laughs> is, whatever you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you depend on almost or whatever, you know, kind of happens just based on everyone's own little idiosyncrasies and the way they, they flow with different people, write down everything, take it from your brain and from your resentment house and write down what you expect. Mm-hmm. I expect my mother to be humming the theme song from Family Feud as she cooks. And basically, <laughs> that is an alarm to people to stay the F out of her. <laughs> I expect, you know, have fun with it. 
I expect my dad to cut the turkey. I expect my cousins to whatever it is. And yes, people change. And it's beautiful to try to figure out, of course. But I think when you enter a holiday or you enter a house that has so much toxicity to it, lightening things up and playing like not a drinking game, but getting in that mindset where you're like checking things off as they happen. Like a bingo card. Yeah. Every time dad says, what? Or like, I can't hear you. Or every time grandma lets it rip and everyone's just like trying to protect, you know, lighten it up, lighten up the dysfunction. Keep that in mind what you just said, because we're going to come back around to that at the end in a different list. Um, I don't know if I can remember it. (laughs) I'll trust me. I'll remember it. A lovely point. I love the idea of a bingo card or just preparation of, hey, you know, your sister is going to be a real bitch to so-and-so, or, you know, your your dad's going to say the N-word a lot and talk about how Democrats are blah, blah, blah. Just know what's going to happen and just crest the wave. Or do like a round of applause at the table. Just meet it with some new fresh energy or just be like fucking typical and check off your shit. Mm-hmm. There are ways to approach it so that you empower yourself for the moment. You empower yourself rather than allowing it to happen and just getting triggered by it. You can already have your list and already be like, this is so funny. Or when someone doesn't do that thing that's expected marvel at it it's like wow double bonus points right they (laughs) double word score or whatever (laughs) right you're just like wow that didn't happen as i thought yeah what you're talking about perfectly segues i'm going to skip a couple um and it's going to be a twofer so number six a two a tufa so number six is remain an adult you can't control everybody else remaining of adulthood but you can definitely maintain your own adulthood as best you can. Like you said, know that somebody's going to say something that's going to trigger you and be like, okay, I know the source. I'm going to just let it go. I'm not going to get engaged in a dramatic conversation. It's just going to escalate. Also, number seven on this list was stay in neutral. Also meaning don't get embroiled. Don't get sucked into a rabbit hole. Don't go down the dark path because somebody's saying something you disagree with and you you feel like it's your job to set them straight because you know that it's never going to work because it hasn't worked 10 years in a row when you try to show people the light about what life should be like. Right. And you just know you're not going to change them. So be the adult, stay in neutral. Don't get embroiled and just triggering traumatic, dramatic crap that you're just going to seethe over at the end of the day. Be an adult and protect your inner child Mm -hmm. at all costs. Inner child with a treat, with some breathing. Have you had a glass of water? And if so, when it's very simple to say, don't be triggered. Oh yeah. It's, It's also very adult of you to say, okay, there are going to be triggers. How can I prepare for it? Yeah. Right. Because Triggers can come out of left field, but if you already know based on repetition and based on history and personalities and the fact that you and your father will never agree when it comes to these two issues and choosing as a grown ass adult to say, you know what, this is the year where when my dad veers to the right, I'm not going to do a hard left over his right and try to just change him because that is not my job or my responsibility. And I need to honor how I feel. And and is it important to me that I honor everyone's opinions and feelings? But they're just wrong. Is it my (laughs) job to honor, you know what I'm saying? Like, just have a conversation with yourself when the trigger occurs and be like, is this worth it? 
or stop yourself. Yeah. Stop yeah. yourself from going where you usually go and say, you know what, this year I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to wait for a different result. Yeah. If you don't do that thing you always do, the trigger has a different place to go. You're just mm-hmm. kind of like opening the window when there's a fly and having the fly go out. Yeah. Yeah. To anticipate what's going to happen and choose a different route. Yeah. And like you said, easier said than done. It takes practice. It takes commitment. It takes forethought. You know, and to it prepare takes for it. It takes yes. Permission. Yes. It takes giving yourself permission to say, I can still believe and feel what I feel 100%. And you know what, which is super hard for people, but really powerful is understanding and believing and practicing the idea that silence, it's golden and it's love. And it doesn't mean that you're in agreement. It just means that you're not going to harm yourself by doing this dance where it's not going to go anywhere. It's just going to leave two people agitated. Yeah, it's true. Like somebody given their opinion that's contrary to yours or hurtful to you and your inner child which again, your first job is to protect that inner child at all costs, Uh, but in a mindful way, it's not your job to lash out at the perpetrator because at the end of the day, you know thyself, you know your truth. And it's just, unfortunately, our inner childs are very susceptible, very sensitive, very easily hurt. And it's our job as adults to say, hey, you know what, little Savannah, I got this. I got your back. Don't you worry. And uh, that's actually been taught in therapy as well to actually have that conversation with your inner child so that you can say, I hear you, inner child. I acknowledge you. I understand your pain and hurt in this moment, but I have you. I have you. I got your back. Yeah. Right. And your inner child may be really afraid when you don't react how you normally react. So just letting them know that, you know what, I'm in charge and I'm going to care for you. And we're going to sit and be quiet with each other. Yeah. Oh. This is perfect for our personalities because every time you ping me with one of these little numbers, I've got <laughs> visuals going left and right. And all my yeah. years of therapy is like popping, popping <laughs> <laughs> as I pop the pills. No, oh, no I'm uh, not kidding. Monday through Sunday. <laughs> What else you got? Okay, I have, um, we kind of talked about this. So number eight, it's it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no about conversation. It's okay to say no about a situation. It's okay to just say no in general. Like if somebody's goading you into something, just say no. You could just walk away. Again, you're in control of your own facilities and faculties and, and mind and body and spirit. Yes, it is difficult at times to harness that in a, in a way that's protective in that moment. But yeah, just say no. It's like, you don't have to engage. You could just walk away and call and it good. Comes, right. And that comes from down to like the simplest. It's okay to say no. If someone brings over a bottle of wine and say, Hey, you want more? Or it's okay to say no to that casserole that you force yourself to eat every single year. And you don't <laughs> want to <laughs> so much. It's okay to just say no. Don't want to hurt her feelings. It's hard. It might hurt her feelings, yes. but on behalf of you and your grown up self, it's going to be okay. The world will not end. If you no. offend her because you did not suddenly this year at 45, you decided to relinquish your crowd. You know, you decided to step down from the clean plate club that was right. taught to you when you yes. were like, yes. it's okay to say no and, and like rebel and be like, I am adult. 
wow, I could say no to the clean play club. Like just those patterns that we do. Look at all those patterns that you do. You're a grown up. And the amazing thing that happens when you step into your childhood home, and I don't know how many times that I could have this conversation with individuals, you go back in time. It's almost like when my sister and brother-in-law argue because they're twins. It's like they're back in in utero arguing and everyone else is just bleeds into the walls. Right. You know, forget my original thread of this thought. We fall into old patterns. It's no different than when you go back to uh, your high school reunions. Right. And you were, you knew you were bullied as a teenager and now you're successful and you got all these accolades and achievements. Man, 20 years later, you go back and you're right back to feeling like the underdog bullied kid. It's so easy and really unfortunate that we just instantly fall into these patterns based on one snide comment or somebody looks at you the wrong way. I feel I'm a better person now, like able to say, that's fine, whatever. You guys are losers, not me. Uh, But the point I wanted to make also is, you know, you're talking about the clean plate club and uh, a fear of offending somebody. Yeah. You standing up for yourself. And for your partner or for your kids or whoever's making comments or looks or whatever about whatever, their being offended is not about you. Yeah. That's that's their problem. If mom is suddenly offended that you left half a roll on your plate and she's got to make a big comment about it, that's on her. You said no, as an adult, her being offended is her own issues that you need to contend with. So remember that people outside of you who get belligerent and have to make a comment, that is not anything about you. It's about them either trying to exert control or have things their way, or they're uber sensitive or hypercritical. Those are things that they have to contend with, not you. And I love you so much, mom. I ate so much of this food. And if I have one more bite, I'm gonna be really, really sick. And I know that your your plumbing is sensitive. You know what I mean? Like I think that there are ways to stand in, in your adult with kindness, or I'm sorry, but like light of hand is is effective. You go in to get quote more food, then you throw half of it at the trash. By half of it, I mean all of it. And then you come out be like, that was a great meal, Mom. There are still ways, I don't want to say play the game, but play the game. Does right, that make sense? Right, like, right. like there's still ways to be yeah. kind. And if you don't want to stand up for yourself in a way that's going to cause pain to the other person, I think that there are ways like there, it may be dirty, it may be scoundrelly, it may be dishonest, <laughs> but if, you, if, if the intention is good, if you have to sweep everything in a paper napkin, put it in there and look as if you're still a part of clean play club, do it. It's survival. Right. And you're exercising kindness and, and, em- and empathy and compassion. And if they catch you, just be like, honestly, mom, I love you so much. And I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Yeah. There you go. Wow. Did the, did the world end? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or is, or is this an opening, as we say on this show, for a deeper conversation where you, the mom could say, well, what did you think I'd do if you just say you were finished? Right, that, right. It's a whole fucking dialogue. Yeah, yeah. All shift the-, the trajectory of the stars for future Thanksgivings. Absolutely. Like, remember that conversation we had last time where you caught me putting stuff in the trash and you said, you know, what do you think I'd do? Try something different. I think Love that's it. what we're saying. Last thing on this list was understand your family's coping mechanisms. Yeah. It was number four, but I saved it for last because this is probably on par, if not harder than the protect your inner child. Understanding other people's coping mechanisms, that is a deep dive, kids. 
that is something that you need to like know yourself so hard and have so much empathy, understand psychology of what triggers other people. Now, that's a tough one to just know it's going to work out. It is. And I think that if you reflect on what we've been saying for most of this episode, I think you'll be able to pull bits and bobs of material and be like, wow, we've covered this one in a lot of different ways. And that can be what we talked about, about making a list of what you know for sure, what to expect when you go in. That's also knowing other people's coping mechanisms so that you can kind of work with them and protect yourself. So if you know that in order to cope, cousin Freddie has the whiskey and then he acts inappropriately, what can you do? What is it? The other room? Could you add some water to that whiskey? Is that an inverted spike? Where it's like, instead of spiking it with something, you spike it with water. Is that how that works? That's yeah, awesome. Or like I love that. every time they're, they they pour another glass and then they go in the other room, you know, they're going to return and you've got a solid seven minutes to pour that shit out. You know what I mean? Like knowing how other people cope is also another way to cope yourself. Yeah. To yeah. avoid being triggered, to be able to say, okay. For this Thanksgiving, this is how I'm going to cope. I've got the sucky candy. I got this, that, the other thing. Okay, what are mom's coping mechanisms? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if, you, if you're a people pleaser, if that's part of your makeup, you know, what can you do to help that along? You know, are you the person that should say, hey, mom, I made you up a plate. Come sit down. I've seen many parents where the mom never sits down. They're constantly right. in the kitchen the entire night. You're like did you even enjoy this holiday? Because I didn't see you because all you did was clear plates, bring more food, clear more plates, do the dishes, stay in the kitchen. I was like, did you actually sit down at all? Well, and then I think about like my mother-in-law where (laughs) sitting down and having a plate or for certain people where that's not how they enjoy the holidays. For them, preparing, cleaning up, they have their own rituals. They have their own coping mechanisms that you may not understand, or through your lens, you may seem as like they're uncomfortable or they need to sit or whatever. No, they need to continuously move until all of you shalom the fuck out of the house (laughs) and then they sit and then they have their rituals. Like moving around is their coping mechanism. Yeah, Uh, could be. Yeah, like how everyone is doing and what they need. They're getting their needs met. For my mother-in-law, if anyone tries to help, we can help bring the plates to the kitchen. But if anybody, any one of us, and I've seen my brother-in-law get as close to succeeding as any of us, if anyone tries to clean the sink and like put the dishes away, like good luck with that. Because she does not want that. She has a way of doing things. She has a system. It would have to be like a chloroform situation <laughs> What are you going to do? Like a Tanya Harding? Like you have to, you have to right. kneecap her? It's like, oh, right. sorry, mom. You should sit down. We'll take care of this for you. Like it would have to be the ultimate prank, but I definitely <laughs> won't be receiving love. It no. Not it will definitely love. come up next year. It's like, I can't believe what you kids did to me. And how she copes is through cleaning up the meal that she prepared, period. So being able to understand and honor other people's coping mechanisms or kind of like, Put the water in the whiskey approach. I don't know, but I, like- I no, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Oh man, that's fantastic. And again, we are giving you very general guidelines. I know we didn't right. dig deep into when you're hosting and you have to move all your femme clothes out from the guest room and and you have to hide it away. I know how that feels. Trust me, I've been there where 
you are the host slash hostess. And all of a sudden, like you have to be reminded that who you are as a person has to be put on hold for that day, for that holiday. I will say it is for the day. If you have no intention of sharing with the people who are arriving for however long they're staying, then it's a choice you've made both in not sharing who you are. So that is a direct corollary to, well, if you didn't share, they don't know. Therefore, you have to hide it. I mean, unless unless you're looking for a big reveal to happen on that day. So I understand that it is very difficult for people to kind of keep that in mind, keep that in perspective. You made a choice either forcibly or by your own heart and soul say, you know what, sharing with these people is not in my best interest, or I don't want to, or I know they won't be accepting. Um, So just keep that in mind that we're aware of that. We know how difficult that can be, which is just another stressor onto the, the relationship that you have, the holiday that you're hosting. We also didn't talk about the fact that so many people who have come out to people, whether it's like a transitioning person, or it is a family member that you said, hey, I'm a crossdresser. I mean, even when I was on with Nikki Mirage a couple months ago now with that live stream, she talked about sharing who she was with her brother. And he was kind of like, okay, great, but don't, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know about it. I'm just going to look at you as my brother and not as, you know, this femme cross-dressing person. And, you know, so there's like a a little bit of awkwardness there. If you see that person on a holiday, now you got to deal with like, you know, some little side eye or some little maybe comment or awkwardness, whatever it might be. So we know that in those cases too, you you know, there are sacrifices to be made and you then may decide, you know what, I'm not going to go and endure that with my family. I will spend it by myself. I'll, I'll choose somebody else to spend the holidays with. And you make that choice. Again, as an adult, you have that power to make those decisions. And it may feel shitty. It may feel like you wish it was different. And yes, we all wish that our our family, our our blood family would be the ones who would support us most. Uh, Sometimes that's not ever going to be the case. And you have to make allowances for them and you have to do the best choices for yourself. And a special Fox and the Phoenix shout out to all of the individuals that this is their first Thanksgiving as their femme self or as a dual gender individual in a new apartment separated from their family we're sending so much love and it will get better. It may it get will. worse first, but it will mm-hmm. get better and we see you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good point. Uh, so getting down to the um, saviness for last, um, yeah. I, want, I want to touch on this other list that I had. Other uh, list? I got another list, but we're not going to get deep diving in it because we actually talked about a lot of it already. So number one, don't expect to heal old wounds. Don't think that this is the magic holiday that on this day, Every axe will be buried. It just won't happen. Right. Don't you get forgiveness. Yes. You'll get understanding. You'll get the I love you. You'll get the. Just, yeah. Know what to expect, um, which goes to number two. Don't expect people to change. Don't think that this year is going to be different with Uncle Harry any different than it was all the previous years when he gets a second whiskey in him. It's just not going to happen. This is, again, but there's it no. Might. It might. It, there's always possibility. But don't have that expectation because, you know, um, too much has gone down in the routine has been set. So, again, if you expect it and it doesn't happen, you feel bad. If it does happen and you have no expectation, you're like, oh, great, this was fantastic. Right. But, like, yeah. 
keep your eye out for unicorns, but just don't <laughs> expect a unicorn. Right, right, right. It might just be a goat with two horns. Be open you know? to unicorns. That's right. Uh, this goes to the one that you had said, which I wanted to say, which is put the fun in dysfunctional. Ah, so your whole idea of a bingo card, candy. well, the sucky candy, the bingo card, um, like kind of like pre-planning, like I know all these things are going to happen. Let's see if they come to pass and making light of it or like taking it into like a fun direction. Um, that like, does- I don't know. Like there's a time where the tr- right before the trip to Fed kicks in, which is that drowsy <laughs> feeling, <laughs> stick it in or plug in. Just do it. You know, just like every time you wanted to say shove it up your ass, <laughs> just reignite with the anal, the anus, and something's plugged in there. Keep it fun. Keep it light. Keep it flirty. <laughs> oh, wait, what? Uh, I, I'm going to go right to number four, Sorry. which uh, based on what you just said, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know how I feel about I don't know. Yeah, I mean, anal plugs, that's a whole other thing. And uh, no one has to know. No, no one has to. No one has to know. Who's going to know? And um, if you shove something in the cavity of a turkey, does not mean that you don't <laughs> shove something in your own cavity, peoples. Wow. Wow. I don't know where to go boundaries, with that. What we're talking boundaries, about. boundaries, and more boundaries. Number five, plan ahead. We talked about that. That ended up being number one that we spoke of earlier. Um, number six, which I think, number six and seven, which is I think is amazing to kind of end this on, which is so obvious, but needs to be repeated. Control what you can control. There's only certain things you can do. You are in control of your own body. You're in control of your own reactions. You're in control of of things that are in your ability to control. You can't control somebody else's reactions. You can't control the conversations that get started beyond you that you are peripherally involved in. Um, You can't control other people. Their triggers and traumas and dramas are going to be their own. And you can't stop it, nor... Is it even possible? So be careful about trying to interject and control every situation if it doesn't just revolve around you specifically. And then number seven, uh, kind of funny because it puts into the fun and dysfunctional. Number seven is look for joyful moments. Mm. Like, you you know, you said, don't expect a unicorn, but you can hope for one. Oh, and the little joys. For me, I'm I'm from the East Coast, so I really appreciate dark humor, and like, I really appreciate kind of TV shows and movies that poke fun at really dysfunctional events. Find the fun and the funny, just like little things that you kind of grew up with that are patterns. Like that could be hysterical, or like a random moment, like a, a comment a child says with like a silence and then a, an eruption of laughter. Like just mm-hmm. look for those events. Just be open and just like acknowledge that this is such a pure moment of humor that it's yeah. like hilarious or yeah. savor the fact that you will not see this person for till next year or, you know, what am I going to ask them this time? Or yeah. how am I going to be more present for our normally seemingly scripted dialogue where it's just like, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. What can you ask that's kind of going to infuse some energy to the situation? It could be a TV show. It could be a, not if you were any animal, what would you be? Or like, if you could have one breakfast cereal forever, but like, I'm just talking about like, what is a statement or nothing? What would it be like not to have it be a back and forth, but to just listen? 
silence is golden. And then yeah. maybe, just maybe, you can be edgy and not make it, not listen to respond, but listen to maybe ask for more information about that. Or that mm-hmm. sounds wonderful. And yeah. Let the person talk and let the person be highlighted. Okay, maybe they were always highlighted as a kid and you have this dynamic. Or maybe they weren't because you were highlighted change it up a little, know what they need and just give them what they need, which is more patience and more tenderness and more love. Like it's never too late to kind of give a person that you have been set up to resent some tenderness, some love, some air. Yeah. And and I don't think that's sacrificing yourself or being untrue to yourself. It's just being compassionate And I think you can get some joyful and fun moments when other people start engaging in a positive way based on that television show that you heard that they liked and you want to hear more about it or picture. Yeah. Like go out of your way to like make a connection with someone. Maybe you wouldn't and be like, wow, I saw a Facebook event you went to. That seems really fun. Can you tell me more about it? And then be like, just noticing the shock or the smile or the fact that you're actually talking to them and you never do, or that you're Mm. not schooling them on how to build up their resume during a virtual era. Like you're, you're suddenly approaching them with a freshness and a caringness and a not such a predictable banter. Yeah. If you go with the old standards, how's the weather? That yeah, it sure is. That small talk is brutal. But to our beautiful listeners, you know, we're back from our hiatus. Obviously, as you know, we've been back for a while. We will not take time off during the holidays, but we will continue to bring more content. And but as we go forward, we know it's the end of the year. We know that, you know, some holidays have passed and some are upcoming that are going to be, for some, very difficult. So we are here. We understand what you're going through. We love you. And we hope that you know, maybe every Wednesday while you're dealing with November and December uh, and into the new year that we can be just a little bit of a bright spot, shoo away those uh, winter blues a bit and be there as your friends. Yeah, I like that. Like think of us as when you have your cleavage in and you point it towards the sun and there's that golden stream between Mm -hmm. each breast. Think of us as that bright spot. Exactly. That was exactly the imagery I was looking for. <laughs> but love to you, Miss Rubenstein. Love to you. And for all the Jews that I did get to say this to, Lashana Tova Tikvateno. Ooh. And happy New Year. Oh, lovely. Happy New Year to love. the Jews. Like, of course. Of course. I was, we were on hiatus. So I didn't get to say it. Right, right, right. But it sounded awesome. I love that. That was It, it was so fluid. And I didn't get to say, guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> Jules is back. Savannah's back. Call a friend. And on that note. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. Bye for now. Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast. 
uses Anchor. Copyright 2022. Yes, nailed it. If you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us, please share with your friends. Tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening. Give it a five-star rating or leave a review. And for show ideas or comments, contact us through the podcast on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.